Welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwig from Painless Networking. With each Painless Podcast, our guest is to connect with and get to know great people in sports, events, startup, and cause marketing. Info about today's guest, Jason Sachs, in just one sec. But first, a quick business note. Our joint Painless Networking Emerging Chicago Sports Professionals Sports Marketing Leadership Session is this week, tomorrow, Thursday evening, April 20th. This was not going to be the same old, same old panel discussion. We've got terrific speakers, including Michael Smith from Gatorade, Josh Kreitzler from PCG Sports Desk, D. Smith of SCBX, and Amy Potter from BMO Financial. Head over to painless.network, not .com, painless.network to get your tickets now for just 15 bucks. They are 20 bucks at the door tomorrow night. That's April 20th from 6.30 to 8.30 at Catalyst Ranch Meetup Space. It's a funky, fun space conveniently located in Chicago's West Loop on Randolph, right at uh, 9094, just off the Clinton uh, Green Line stop, as well as uh, Halstead Bus Line, um, close by parking. It's going to be easy to get there, and we're uh, already closing in on uh, 75 uh, people attending, so it's going to be great. Get some smart conversation, some look at everything from analytics to sponsorship to event execution, trends, esports, all those kinds of things with these great sports marketing experts, plus painless networking session and appetizers and drinks, including some tasty beers from the good folks at Two Brothers Brewing. Painless.network has all the info. Be there. All right, today's guest, Jason Sachs. He's a Jersey native, grad of Syracuse top-notch Millhouse School of Communications. I can hear today how Jason shifted his love of sports and coaching from working in sports broadcasting to building partnerships for an amazing national organization called Positive Coaching Alliance. Catch PCA if you want to find out more there at positivecoach.org or their Twitter feed is at positivecoachus. Jason's own feed is at JRSAX22. That's J-R-S-A-C-K-S-2-2. All right, recorded April 18th in Ravenswood at Jason and uh, PCA Chicago Shared Office Space, which, by the way, uh, they ended up doing some roof work in the, <laughs> towards the end. They started up again, and you can hear some slamming and banging of hammers and such in the background. Apologize for that. Uh, hopefully it's not too distracting. But let's get connected with Jason Sachs. Hello and welcome to the Painless Podcast. Uh, joining me today, Jason Sachs, the National Director of Business Development for Positive Coaching Alliance. Welcome to the Painless Podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. At least you've said you've listened to a lot of the podcasts, so maybe <laughs> yeah, I should can, test you. can you. quiz me on like, it. Yeah. But uh, as you're familiar, I like to get into a little bit first, uh, it's kind of a chron chronological go at it of uh, you know where you started, where you grew up. You're not a native uh, Illinoisan or, or Midwesterner, right? Correct. I was uh, born and raised in southern New Jersey, um, down by Atlantic City, so about 50 minutes outside of Philadelphia, two hours from New York City. Um, spent, uh, you know, my whole childhood there, and then uh, from there went up to central New York to Syracuse for uh, for college. But, yeah, southern are, New Jersey. Are you, are you a Phillies guy or a Mets guy or a Yankees I'm, I'm guy? I'm a Mets, Giants, and then a 76ers. So okay, uh, that's I, right. I, I knew there was a, yeah. yeah, I knew that something was not right when we It has to do time. with my where my parents grew up in north New Jersey, and then I have an older brother. And so once he was going, Philadelphia teams felt like I had to create some sort of sibling rivalry there. So. Now, we'll talk a little bit, too, I, um, I'm sure, in, in a little bit about, about hoops and yeah. getting into coaching. Now, did you play, uh, you know, was it hoops was your big sport growing up? What was what stuff did you do? Yeah, I mean, I played all sports. I'm the youngest of three, I have an older brother and older sister. And so I feel like, you know, the majority of my childhood was at sports fields, like even before I was playing, was just hanging around and tagging along. And so sports was always a really important part of my life and um, played all sports growing up. And then once I got into high school, really focused on basketball. And I was also uh, running more so to get in shape for basketball, but ended up running cross country and track. And But basketball was really the, the main love. And did you, you know, so you mentioned already that you ended up going to school at Syracuse yep. and uh, the great uh, Newhouse School. Yeah. 
Um, did you were you into broadcasting or journalism? Did you do that stuff? You know, calling games at home or yeah. even for a high school station or anything like that? Yeah, so that was big. I mean, I think for some reason in third or fourth grade, I fell in love with Syracuse's basketball team, and I always had this sense of that I wanted to be a sports announcer, even when I was little. And uh, uh, friends of my parents made the connection for me that went to Syracuse and said, oh, you know, Syracuse has one of the best, you know, communication school. And so, I mean, there are plenty of pictures of me and in third and fourth grade with tons of Syracuse gear, even though my parents didn't go there or anything like that. Uh, ended up, just so happens, my older sister and older brother ended up going to Syracuse before I had the oh, opportunity. So you had a lot so of I, pull Yeah, exactly. So we all bleed orange. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I mean, it was the only school I applied to. I applied early decision um, to Newhouse. Got in always, you know, from the time I was in middle school, high school, I want to, you know, be a sports announcer on ESPN or a writer for Sports Illustrated in high school, you know, editor of the newspaper, the yearbook, you know, we were starting a TV station at that point. So doing all those types of things was uh, something that interests me. And your, was it your senior year when they won the national championship? Too? Yeah. So senior year at Syracuse, uh, 2003, Carmelo and down in New Orleans winning the national championship. Um, I had the opportunity to work at WAR, which is the um, student run radio station where all the big names went through. Costas, Tirico, McDonough, um, Ian Eagle, um, even some of the more recent guys you see on CBS, Carter Blackburn, Andrew Catalan, a couple years older than me. Um, but yeah, so I got to travel around junior and senior years, calling games, football, basketball, lacrosse, and uh, just so happened was able to go to New Orleans and was doing stats and some halftime updates during uh, the Final Four. So got to sit courtside of your childhood teams winning the national championship. Uh, wasn't a bad senior year. To to say the least. <laughs> no, that's a that's a good way to finish off. Yeah, for sure. And then you went right on to grad school at NYU. Is that right? I actually took a year from Syracuse, oh, okay. went and worked in TV production. So I put the the broadcast journalism uh, degree to work, and I had an internship with HBO Sports while I was at Syracuse, and really saw the production side of it versus on air, and realized that I didn't necessarily want to do the on air thing because I didn't. Mm -hmm. want to go, you know, somewhere middle of nowhere and be the local sports anchor. Uh, I just didn't, that wasn't something that I felt like I needed to be on TV or anything like that. Saw that I could be behind the scenes and get to, you know, some of the bigger events quicker. So I worked for TWI, which is the production arm of IMG, and worked on events like the U.S. Open and the New York City Marathon, the NBA All-Star Game, um, some Olympic stuff. Uh, so it was a great and what great kind of, experience. It's like, were you, you know, running cable and... It was it was better than that. It wasn't like the, you know, that stuff. It was everything from... I actually got lucky. The first was the U.S. Open, and I was logging highlights, so would watch, you know, out at the tennis center in New York for two weeks and just plopped in front of a TV, tracking, starring what was a good play, giving it to the producers, and they would edit highlights, and then um, got hired. That was like a freelance, then got hired on at TWI, and they actually threw me in and the first New York City Marathon that I worked on was the year that um, P. Diddy ran the marathon. <laughs> and so they actually had me in charge of, I was almost like a, you know, assistant producer for their roving reporter doing a lot of special interest stories. Diddy cam? Did, yeah, exactly. Diddy runs the city. And uh, so so it was, it was cool. I was involved in a lot of those special interest stories that you see on broadcast um, doing some of the prep work for that. And then had the opportunity. Uh, we did an event at the All-Star Game in 2004, and it was in Los Angeles, and they were honoring Magic Johnson. So American Express did this big uh, rewarding life of Magic Johnson. They aired it on TNT, um, and we put together, I helped put together uh, almost like a This Is Your Life segment, and we took people from you know Magic's high school coach to you know different influential wow. people along the way that were there. And so it was. I was lucky. I sort of kept on getting brought back for different projects, and it was wasn't just the, you know, go get coffee and those types of things. So right and pretty much right from the get go there. That's great. Yeah. And so then you went. Did you work through grad school when you went to NIU? Then. So what happened was I 
was at these big events and was working all on the TV side. And I started to see all the other things that go into producing a big sporting event, the sponsorship, the marketing, the event planning. And that was something that interests me. And I thought, okay, I'm only out a year, year and a half of school. Let's go back to, to grad school. I was also at that point, you know, basketball was always something that interests me, coaching. So I was looking for somewhere in New York City that would potentially have a GA position or a program in sports management where I could, you know, volunteer coach. NYU was a Division three program, got into their master's program, and then, um, you know, started as a sports information assistant, um, just wanted to get into the athletic department. And then uh, a couple months before the season started, they had an opening. And so I became an assistant coach uh, there as well. And I'd been coaching at my high school and had coached some big exposure camps and stuff, but, um, you know, just got the foot in the door and sort of was always around the gym and got to know the coach and then they had an opening, so it uh, worked out well. And so you were coaching and also helping, I'm sure, in a, in a smaller athletic department, uh, sports information. Sports information, marketing, marketing, promotions, yeah, exactly. And getting the sports management masters. Exactly. And were you still looking for broadcasting jobs? Like, were you sending tapes out and things like that, too? Or did you actually start kind of shelving that? that it, was, it was a little bit of both. I still had, okay, if I can still do the production stuff, I would, but it was also, I'm looking at these other things that are also interesting, maybe, whether it be the marketing stuff or, um, but then coaching definitely popped up and, you know, at that time, um, you know, Frank Vogel, you know, who grew up in Southern New Jersey and started as a video coordinator and then worked his way up to an assistant coach and a scout and then a head coach and the same for Eric Spolstra. Like those stories were starting to happen around then. And so I thought, Hey, why not maybe try to go that route and be a video coordinator and, you know, work my way up that way. Um, the more I learned, I ended up working for the Knicks for a little bit in basketball operations, um, seeing the video coordinators there that were there for like 10 years, you know, for every Spolstra and Vogel, there are, video coordinators that are just, uh, you know, you know, stuck in the, you know, the bowels of video rooms and stuff like that, which is, you know, for some people, that's what they're cut out to do. And thinking about bigger picture, um, I wasn't sure I was ready to put all my eggs in that basket um, at that point. So I sort of moved on from that. So then you were doing, um, is that when you get involved with Starting, uh, get involved with Positive Coaching Alliance, and then also I see on here you were teaching at a community college, teaching some writing. Yeah, those happening at the same time from there. So basically, I, I finished up um, with my master's in in the winter, and so I was finishing up my graduate assistant internship with the Knicks as well, and I was working at B-Ball Ops, and all the basketball jobs were going to be opening up in June. So I was doing a ton of research. I was having calls with people, and they're like, great, like call us back in June. We'll see what we can do for you. And it was January at this point, so I was like, all right, what am I going to do? So I w- moved back home to New Jer- uh, Southern New Jersey, was substitute teaching, was helping out coach uh, basketball, and then um, was looking for a job and on a you know job website sports job website, found Positive Coaching Alliance and, you know, applied for the job and went through the interview process. You know, two months later, I, I, you know, I get the job and then a couple weeks later, I start getting calls back from the NBA teams that were like, hey, we have those openings that were, and at that point I made the decision that I'm not going to go that route. Like, let's see what happens with PCA. And um, while I was working at PCA, there was some flexibility um, and teaching was something that always interests me. My mom was a teacher and sort of just was that continual learning and education was really important. And so there was a local, you know, community college and thought, hey, you know what, maybe if they're looking for public speaking, I have the broadcast journalism background. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I'll go that route. They didn't have openings, but they said, we have this like introductory writing class. And so I thought, sure, why not? And uh, that was a really interesting experience being, you know, probably 25 or 26 years old, where you have people that are right out of high school going to community college, but then you have people that are 35, 40 that are coming back to school. So it was a really interesting mix. I did it for, you know, probably a year and a half, three different semesters. And, you know, once you get one under your belt, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Now, were you finding yourself learning, too, like, 
how to oh, be a better writer. And, totally. Yeah. Being a better writer. And I think it goes back to, um, you know, when I was in college and high school and you, you have the professors and teachers that you really like and you think, if I'm ever a teacher, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And I, and I got to do it, you know, and I tried to, you know, put my twist on it. But, you know, there's, it's like no such thing as an original idea. You just like, you're, you're <laughs> copying somebody else and making it your own. But that, that's what it was. So PCA, well, yeah. I want to talk, I want to get way deeper on what PCA, the work that you do yeah. uh, as an organization and your work specifically. But uh, what did you start, what role were you in starting? This is uh, March of 06 I have down here. Yep. So you were like a New Jersey Philly partner development associate, is that right? Like yeah. what, what did that involved. Yeah, like what was your foot in the door there? Really fancy term for a salesperson. And it was interesting because I remember being in grad school and people were saying, you know, the, the best way to get your foot in the door is, in sports is through sales. And I was like, I'm not selling tickets. I'm not going to sell anything. Um, you know, PCA comes along and um, you know, it's a nonprofit organization. I didn't know what a nonprofit organization was. Um, it was a sales position, um, but I tried not to look at it as that. And you know, my boss at the time, who ended up being my boss in a couple different times throughout my my growth within the company, he would always joke like, "I never said that I was a salesperson because like I just didn't like that connotation." Um, what we were selling, we were selling you know partnerships to schools and youth sports organizations on how they could develop a better culture and have a better experience for kids playing sports, and that included live workshops for coaches and parents. So I saw it as a way to connect with athletic directors and Little League board members and talk about their experience and what they were doing at their league. And we got to, you know, talk a lot about, you know, the positive outcomes of youth and high school sports and ways that PCA could maybe help them do that. So now it's probably a good time then to yeah. roll the clock back. Tell us a little bit more or a lot more. It's a podcast. Yeah. We can go on as long as we want. Tell us more. How did Positive Coaching Alliance come about in the first place? Yeah, so Positive Coaching Alliance is a, it's a national nonprofit organization. It was founded out at Stanford University back in 1998 by Jim Thompson, uh, who is our current CEO, um, still heavily, heavily involved with what PCA is doing. But the overall mission is to use the youth and high school sports experience to develop better athletes and better people. Um, there are close to 35 million uh, kids that play sports every year. Um, 70% of those kids drop out by the age of 13. And the number one reason for that is because it's not fun anymore. So we look a lot at coaches and parents and um, how this is turned into a win-at-all-cost culture where you know everybody wants to try to get ahead. Who's going to get that next college scholarship? If my son or daughter isn't playing quote-unquote elite or travel soccer by fourth grade, then they're not going to make the varsity you know, soccer team, and it's just gotten way out of control. So what PCA is trying to do is to turn that, you know, win it all cost culture into what we call a development zone culture where youth and high school sports is an opportunity to develop culture um, and make sure that we're teaching life lessons that kids are going to use in sports long after their playing days are over. I mean, there's only, you know, 1% of 1% that go on and play, right. you know, pro sports. So what are we doing with all these other kids that are playing sports if we're only focusing on the, on the winning? And we're not anti-competition. We're not anti-winning. Right. We're not right. everybody gets a trophy. It's, yeah, it's not everybody gets a trophy. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. We're, we fall. <laughs> how do we strive to win and compete at the highest level, but doing it the right way and making sure that sports is more than just teaching a game and winning and losing? Well, and it's, it's a what all-encompassing kind of philosophy that it's not just, okay, well, here's here's a behavior code for kids. Right. It's got to also involve the coaches and, like you said, the parents sometimes these days. And, you know, it's my generation, unfortunately. Yeah. You see it all the time at the high school level right now. It's, it is intense, and you've got to get through to some of these or all of these parents, hopefully. So you touch across all three, right? Yeah. And it's and curriculum and yeah. all that stuff, right? It's even all, all four. We look at it as – so when, when Jim started in the first coach workshop that he went and did, the coaches were like, this is great. Now, are you going to go and talk to the parents about this? And Jim was like, well, that's probably a good idea. You know, we were started as Positive Coaching Alliance, but – 
we're really looking at trying to change the culture of youth sports. So we talk about the ecosystem of youth sports where it is, yes, coaches, it's parents, it's these the athletes themselves, but it's also the organizational leaders. And when it comes to organizational leaders, that could be an athletic director or you know a, a board of a youth football organization. It's their job to set the culture of that organization. And if they don't do a good job of setting a positive culture um, where they're providing a good experience for everybody that's involved then you know those you know crazy parents that you mentioned or you know out of control coaches are the ones that start to set the culture and then it's you know a lot more difficult to try to get that back for sure and i think i think we've talked about i think this is where i've heard this story is that you and your work uh at some point you've also been the you ran the Chicago organization right yep. and that there was a high school here that had a hazing issue mm-hmm. and you asked to come in yeah but the athletic director basically was dismissive and so you know you just knew it wasn't gonna take hold can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that and why the, I mean that's kind of the antithesis of what you're trying to do but that stuff still exists this was a recent totally incident tell us a little bit about that story I, I think it comes down to the the overall idea of people that check a box and so you know if they look at PCA as a coach certification program where they just check a box my coaches went through it we did the workshop now we're good everything's going to be improved then nothing's going to change but um, you know there were instances where you know we don't want to be seen as an ambulance chaser or, you know, we, we tell people, you know, 95% of our partners don't have major issues. It's they're doing this as proactive. Um, so how can we, you know, w- when there is a problem, how do we work with those people to talk about, you know, what can we do to learn from this experience? How can we move forward? How can we improve things internally so that this doesn't happen again? If somebody sees this as, okay, we're just coming in from the outside as this check the box because something bad happened and the school district is getting heat. So we need to do something to show that we're, you know, addressing the problem, then, you know, you need to have buy-in from the top or else things aren't going to change. Now, how do you, as an organization right now, how do you ensure that uh, you're relevant? How do you ensure that people are walking away with new insights, that you're, you're making impact, yeah. that a parent walks away or a coach that goes through it or the kids who go through it yeah. are actually, you know, touched by it, for lack of a better word. What do you guys do to keep it fresh, keep it interesting? Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're really big on um, not only the live workshops, but then the follow-up. Uh, information after the workshop. So we're big on message bombardment and this is, you know, taken from advertising. You know, you need to hear a jingle seven times before it sticks. If somebody sits through our workshop, um, a two-hour workshop that's interactive where they're, you know, engaging with our trainer, but they're also engaging with other um, people in the room, you know, they're going to take some things out of that workshop and hopefully, you know, implement them into their everyday life. But if that's all they hear of it, odds are they're going to forget it pretty quickly. So we have a lot of different follow-up resources, whether it be through email campaigns for coaches, where we have a a talking point series where a coach signs up and for 13 weeks during the season, they get an email from us every Monday morning about things they should be talking about uh, with their team. And then with parents, we have something that comes out to parents every Thursday going into the weekend of youth sports, Um, different conversation starters that they can have with their kids before, during, after the game, um, just to get their kids ready. And, And as a parent, what they're role is we want to separate the roles that you know if you're a parent you know leave the winning to the the coaches and the players as a parent you have a really important job and that's to show show support to your own kids to the team you know to their teammates to the coaches to the the parents that are around you so um the follow-up resources are really important to us um you know in addition to the email stuff that we do we created about two years ago a whole nother website you know an offshoot of our brand website that's called the pca development zone resource center it's pcadevzone.org and it is you know, we compare it to the WebMD of youth sports. So if you go there, there's a search bar. You can type in, you know, my son's coach is a yeller or, you know, I think my kid deserves more playing time or my kid wants to quit or, you know, I'm a high school coach and I need some tips on recruiting. And, you know, we have over 1,800 resources in there, videos, downloadable PDFs, articles, podcasts, those types of things uh, for people to, to consume in many different ways. And the, the group is based out in Palo Alto. 
Alto slash Mountain View. And yep. so is there a, there's a staff out there that does, yeah. you know, refreshing, updating site content and all those things, right? Exactly. We have the marketing team. We have our training department, um, which is, you know, we have 10 or 11 different live workshops. We add a new workshop each year. We try to freshen things up, you know, because we have partners that have been partnered with us for 10, 11 years. And so, yes, there's going to be turnover with coaches and parents, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we're getting the most recent up-to-date, you know, studies and research that is out there. All of our content and our workshop is based on different psychology, whether it be sports psychology, educational, social psychology. But then we take best practices from coaches that are involved with PCA, whether it be Brad Stevens, Steve Kerr, different people like that, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, Chris Collins at Northwestern have been big supporters of us. But what are some of the things they're doing? Um, and then how can we, you know, tailor that to to the workshops that we're doing and, and really show them as an example of, you know, this stuff works. And you're doing it too, that this the example we talked about, about the school that there wasn't yeah. buy-in on. Another issue was that they just wanted to, again, check the box and just lump parents, the coaches, the kids all in one big assembly, jam everybody in and then cut it down and give you 20 minutes or something yeah. on a hot August night. So th- it was never going to... That's no not going to change anything. Work. Yeah. But you guys tried to do it that, you know, because the kids' messaging is going to be different. They're going to understand and be thinking about different stuff than the parents, than the coaches. So you have exactly that's customized and ideas that they're separate because you want to tell some kids things that maybe even their parents don't want to here, but right. now they're in a separate room, they can place, they can see this. Yeah, and we're, we're really big on mental models, so if you think of you know, what a positive coach looks like. You know, we're going to try to help you um, really visualize, and, and we use the term double goal coach, so all coaches should have two goals in mind. The first one's winning, and the second more important goal is teaching the life lessons through sports. When we come to parents, we talk about second goal parents, so that second goal of teaching life lessons, that's your role as a parent. For student athletes, it's the triple impact competitor, where they're trying to impact the game uh, by making themselves better, their teammates better, and the game and community as a whole better. So those are all things that we're providing an example and a model for each of the different audiences of this is what you should strive to to become. I mean, you've got a great advisory board. You told me a story of... Uh, Mark was it Mark Shapiro that yeah. his kid and when he was yeah. in Cleveland to, I don't want to tell the story you tell the story about that because <laughs> well, it's a great well, story yeah Mark Shapiro uh, now president of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, previously the president um, general manager of the Cleveland Indians has been and in, worked in professional sports for his entire career I would say probably six years ago um, his kids were playing youth sports he realized okay there's this is a, a major institution that's broken. There, there are a lot of issues, starts doing his research, um, comes across PCA, you know, calls a few people that he sees are involved, does his homework, and then reaches out to us and says, I just came across PCA. I would love to help. I would love to get involved in some way. And so we have what we call our National Advisory Board, which is our the, the big-name coaches and executives and you know folks from academia. Um, and we're like, great, we can put you on our National Advisory Board. You know, Your credibility will help us in this movement. And he went a step further and said... No, how do we get PCA to Cleveland? And so we talked about our chapter expansion model and said, you know, here's what it takes. And he made a couple phone calls, got the Cleveland Cavaliers involved, got one of the largest real estate companies, um, DDR, in Cleveland involved. And we went to Cleveland. We launched a chapter there. And then while Mark was serving on our board, he actually served as the board chair as well. So he was all in. And he even told our partnership manager, our salesperson, when you go and meet with a little league um, or a youth baseball organization, um, let me know and I'll follow up with their president the next day. So can you imagine getting, you know, you have your monthly board meeting, you get people coming in to pitch you all the time on, you know, buy these trophies, buy these uniforms, and PCA comes in and talks about this character education program. And then the next day you get an email from Mark Shapiro saying, I heard the PCA came and spoke. If you have any questions about our program, feel free to give me a call. So when you have people like that that are bought in, um, and then they can also make phone calls to other executives in yeah, other that, cities. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. It's like, yeah. you, so you just sit around right now, <laughs> Yeah, right? just let everybody just else let do the work, <laughs> and, and I'll come in and uh, you know, <laughs> give them the details of, of how they can get involved. So, so am, am I right that there's 17 chapters across the country right now in, that are up and running? So Correct, 17 chapters. 
I'll rattle these off for people listening. Uh, Central Texas, Chicago, Cleveland, Colorado, Hawaii, Houston, L.A., Minnesota, New England. Is that Boston and surrounding, yep, basically? Exactly. Yep. Uh, New York City, North Texas, Phoenix, Portland, Oregon. Yep, not Portland, Maine. Yeah, correct. Um, Sacramento, Seattle, San Francisco, Bay Area, and Tampa Bay. So 17 markets. Your um, then is your your focus. A lot of your focus right now is is it Detroit, DC, and Atlanta. You're working on getting funding in those markets, right? Exactly. So what is that? What yeah. does that involve? I think tell people maybe interested in helping out. What is it? you're doing right now? How much is the investment? What's the startup? Yeah. So um, this all comes from a strategic planning study we did with McKinsey about 10 years ago when we were looking to become more of a local-based nonprofit instead of just hub and spoke out of our national office. And they came up with this model of how do we start a local chapter? It is you know raising money locally, it's recruiting local board members, and then it's hiring local staff. So right now we're working on the DC, Mid-Atlantic area, Detroit, Atlanta, and also Kansas City. So we're working on those four cities, and it's a three-step process. So the first step is raising seed funding in that city. So that is $400,000 that's pledged over four years. So it's 400 total over the four years. A lot of times that is coming from professional sports teams, uh, foundations, individual donors, as well as some corporate partners. Um, And then once we have that 400,000 raised, we recruit a local board of directors in that city. So anywhere from 13 to 20 people will be on that board. A lot of times it's front office executives from sports teams. And whatever city we're in, we look to really go and find those local companies that are based there. So we launched our Seattle chapter last fall. You know, we have Microsoft, we have Starbucks, we have Holland American Lines, companies that are locally based along with the Mariners, the Seahawks, the Sounders that all provided funding for us to come to Seattle. Um, so we really want to make sure that it's it's has that local feel um, to, to the local chapter. And you have, I mean, kudos to you and, and your group. I mean, you've got a great list of of corporate partners that you're you're working with and and then the other piece of it too is uh, across leagues and governing bodies that you know you've got partnerships I mean you pretty much name it that you've got it from NCAA and AYSO and US lacrosse and US youth soccer and USA baseball and USA field hockey and on and on as well as up to major league baseball and NBA and and stuff like that um what's you, know, you talked about this this growth plan where is the focus right now i'm assuming it's more corporate partners because mm-hmm. they can help fund yep more cities, more yeah. staff, more programs, right? Yeah, and I think it's 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 twofold. So the you know the national partners and those are the governing bodies. I think when we we talk with them, we we talk with them about what they're already doing, educating coaches and parents and, and, you know, their constituents and how can PCA be a part of it. And a lot of them focus on, you know, the, the sports specific and skills and drills types things, but how can we then be a part of that? And, um, cause you know, a lot of times it comes down to kids coming back in sports, you know, is a big thing. There's been studies over the last couple of years showing a decrease in participation in youth sports. Um, we now have studies that show, PCA-trained coaches are keeping more kids involved in sports versus non-PCA-trained coaches. So so that retention is really big. So if we can, you know, and we worked with a lot of our national partners to get that information. We we surveyed coaches and asked them, you know, had they been through a coach workshop? You know, have they not been through a coach workshop? How many kids are coming back each year? So I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I also think from the, you know, professional league standpoint, um, you know, Commissioner Manfred uh, with Major League Baseball, when he was hired, he said, my number one initiative is youth baseball. And I think that is because they see this as baseball had a decline in in participation, but they also look at the long play of if kids are playing baseball growing up and they stay involved longer, they're going to become a fan of the game and they're for, for a long time, you know, and there's crazy, you know, research out there that shows that, you know, if a, if a child goes to a, a baseball game before a certain age, that they're more likely to stay, you know, as a fan for longer. But I think 
playing the game is really important. So they have initiatives like their play ball initiative where they focus on, you know, whether it's wiffle ball, a home run derby, anything that resembles baseball, let's just get kids playing it because it's going to be fun because sometimes kids see baseball and they're standing out in the field and they're waiting for the ball to get hit through them and it can just be very slow where, you know, the same season, lacrosse, you know, it's like that's a new fastest growing sport, you know, over the last couple of years. It's a, it's a fast sport, you know, fastest game on two feet. So those are things where it's like, how do we just keep more kids involved? And I think they partnered with PCA seeing that if we have kids involved in baseball, we can't push them out. So if ensuring a positive experience, partnering with PCA, educating coaches and parents is going to help us keep kids in baseball longer, that's going to be better for the game as a whole, you know, moving forward. For sure. That's a good, that's a very good long view. And I'm glad to see as somebody who grew up as a primarily as a baseball kid. Yeah. And I mean, I've sat through it as coaching or just as a parent. It, it's tough between it doesn't move as fast and you can see the kids aren't as involved. And then you have a-hole coaches or parents. <laughs> right. And it becomes miserable. Why? Or the governing body, uh, you know, the little league is a, you know, a click and whatever kind of things you see over and over again. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that from MLB. And it seems like, again, from this list that there's a lot of partnerships in place. And, um, and then you do have the corporate folks. What, from that standpoint, what makes a good corporate partner? Like, who are you looking to talk to that you aren't already talking to? What kind of companies? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's it's something I, I feel like our biggest growth potential for PCA is with our, our corporate partnerships, and there's a lot of different ways that we can go about corporate partners. You know, I'll highlight, um, you know, a, a company that's been a great supporter of PCA, which is Deloitte, and um, they have supported our national scholarship program for several years. They're a supporter title uh, sponsor of our big National Youth Sports Awards event. But what we've done with them is we've engaged them with each of our local chapters. So we have 17 chapters across the country. 14 of them have local Deloitte staff on our local board, which oh, is wow. which has driven more engagement locally for Deloitte, who mm-hmm. is really community focused. They focused on college readiness. They focus on, you know, that character piece. So they saw this as a great opportunity to, you know, partner with Positive Coaching Alliance at the national level, but then that's going to turn into, you know, relationships that can be activated locally. And so we're looking for other companies like that, you know, whether it be consulting firms or law firms or banks or whatever it might be that are across the country because our goal is to be in 26 cities in 2020. We're going to hit the major markets, so there's going to be alignment with a lot of those. So that's one way we go about corporate partners. I think another way is through, you know, traditional sponsorship. We have different assets. We have a coach awards program. We have a scholarship program. We have email assets. We have a podcast series. So a lot of times they might be lined up with companies that are involved in the youth and high school sports market. So Team Snap is a great supporter of ours. Um, people that aren't involved in youth sports might not know who Team Snap is, but they have over 10 to 15 million users and they're a league management and communication tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are a title sponsor of our National Coach Award program. And then I think something that's new for PCA that I'm really excited about is just how we can, you know, implement our content into bigger brand campaigns. So over the last year, we've been partnering with uh, Dove Men Plus Care, and they they have a Caring Coach Award that they do during the college football season, honoring local and high school football coaches. And they saw this, you know, when they surveyed some of their coaches of what was missing in their coaching experience, they talked about resources. So Dove came to us and said, we want to create this caring coach curriculum. So we created this interactive PDF on their website, and it was about 10 pages, but it was all PCA content written for the Dove Caring Coach Award. And so I think that is something, you know, um, we did something similar with Liberty Mutual Insurance and their responsible sports and play positive platform where it was all powered by PCA content. And, you know, even just 
just in the last month, we've had a lot more conversations with different agencies that are representing brands. Um, and, I, and I'm trying to get out there to more agencies of saying, hey, here's just the pitch on PCA. Here's what we do. If you know there is an interest in sports or youth sports with one of the clients to, to put that into one of their upcoming brand campaigns or you know cause marketing platforms, then PCA is potentially a great partner in, the, in that sense. And how many you've reached over and you're coming up on 20th anniversary next year, right? Am yeah. I, yeah. I doing my yeah. math right? Yeah. And you're also closing in on, on uh, well, they're working on the roof above us. Um, you're closing in on 9 million yep. uh, people served. Yeah. What, what is, what's an annual number too? I'm sure people are like, well, you know, what's your reach? What's that? Yeah. You, what kind of numbers do you cite for that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So we have about 1,100 schools and youth sports organizations that are currently under contract right now with PCA. Last year, we did 2,600 live workshops across the country, which when you think about it, comes out to about seven a day. So, I mean, we are, we're doing a lot out there. There, you know, and, and as we build up more chapters, that allows us to get more activity. So that's why the chapter expansion piece is really big right. for us right now because the more boots we have on the ground in a city is going to lead to more partnerships, is going to lead to more workshops, is going to be lead to more coaches trained. I think also we've gone digital on a lot of things. We have our courses online. So, you know, our partnership with AAU, they try to mandate that all of their coaches go through our online course when they renew their membership. So over the last couple of years, we've had 15 to 20,000 AAU coaches each year go through our, our PCA online coach course. Right. So it goes from really grassroots reach all mm -hmm. the way to a broad national yeah. reach across alums, the coaches and families that are now, maybe their kids aren't teenagers, they've moved on, but they're, they're now part of this growing pool. Yep. I mean, you've got 50... 5,000 followers on Twitter and 100,000 on Facebook with pretty good, I mean, I've seen it, that it's yeah. good engaging content. So there's, you got, it's, it's nice. You've got good stuff to, I know you're not a salesperson, but you've got good <laughs> stuff to sell. Right? No, for sure. I mean, it's the content. When you, when you can put up a video on, um, you know, on, on Facebook that has, uh, you know, it, whether it's a well-known coach or not a really well-known coach, but somebody that's talking about the car ride home after the game and to not talk about the game with your kids and sort sort of just like, you know, ambush them with, you, you know what you did wrong during the car ride home, all that stuff. You know, that's such an important lesson to be learned and it can change relationships between yeah. a parent and a child. Yeah. The, uh, that was the, the hardest thing for me to learn and not to get on my kids and no, say, what did you do wrong? <laughs> Even but just having any kind of a conversation. To, they don't want to talk about it at that point. It. You got to back off and that... <laughs> A long time. It's tough, but get you through materials yeah. like yours of hearing that and getting it reinforced. That's what people need. There was a study done with uh, college athletes looking back at their youth sports playing days, <laughs> and it said, you know, what did you dislike the most? And when you think about all that you go through in youth and high school sports, <laughs> the number one answer was the car ride home. Mm -hmm. And it was that, you know, I, I, I joked with with my parents that, you know, if I played really well, then I was I would go home with my dad. Like if he was coming from work, and my parents drove separately, I would, I would go home with my dad and yeah, I, I was ready to talk about the game if right. I, you know, right. dropped 20 and had a great game. Right. You know, if I didn't play well, not that my dad was ever going to have the, you know, force me to have the conversation, but it was just sort of like, ah, I just don't want to even, and, and I was lucky. I had parents that, you know, my dad coached me growing up and he was great and sitting in the stands, he never said a word and if I looked at him, it was just like a look, a fist pump, anything that was just sort of, yeah, Yep, we're on the same page, and it was great. And I, you know, as a coach, I've coached high school, college, you know, I've gone to so many games to scout, whatever it might be, and you look around and everybody's going nuts in the stands and it's just, it's crazy. And it's just unbelievable that, you know, parents and coaches think that that's acceptable behavior. Like in, in what other walks of life would you be, would you be doing that? Right. There was, it was uh, one of the recruiting high school recruiting guys on uh, scout. I saw the other days, like what in the world is, you know, so important that these parents are acting so maniacal for a 9am right. game when the first round, to some nothing tournament. Tournament, yeah. Like, how do their kids, it's the modeling is, well, anyway, I'm preaching to the choir, right. but it's, it's out there. Now, it's not that everybody's like that. No. Like, your parents and right. my parents were great about that, but they need help. What's yeah. nice is the feedback I get when I mention PCA to folks, yeah. oh, yeah, we went through that for this or that yeah. with the high school or with the youth program, and it was great. 
you know, yeah. like the halo and the, the, the ongoing learning, we need more of that out there. So um, what, you know, with what you're doing, and we have a lot of people, I think, listening that do not selling as much as, you know, the business development, relationship development into fundraising mm -hmm. um, and, and those kinds of things. What's, what's advice that you give when somebody comes to you? How do you, I mean, what do you share with people about how's a good way to connect or get in with somebody or, you know, find a connection point, essentially? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, we were talking previously just about, you know, the straight path or the winding path of to get where you are. And, um, you know, I went to school for broadcast journalism, and that was my goal for so many years of my life. And people, like, knew that about me. And it was always, you know, even the, my first couple of years of PCA, if I would go home and would run into somebody, and they'd be like, oh, are you working at ESPN? Or, and I was like, no, but I'm doing this. And they were just sort of like, oh, I thought you were going to be, like, the guy that, <laughs> right. you know. And it was, you know, it was getting past that, which, which was fine. But I think there's so much in what I do today, fundraising, business development, um, it's storytelling, and it's, you know, when I look at, you know, are the research that we do, the, the storytelling that we do, the connecting with people, I mean, that goes back to a lot of the journalism stuff that I learned in high school and college. Um, but I feel like the most important thing is, um, you know, the networking aspect of it and the relationship building. I think those two things, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, go to Syracuse, which is a, a great university. The alumni base is super well-connected. You know, you can use the, the Syracuse name to make connections. Um, then I have my time at NYU. I have, you know, there's a lot of different networks that I have built um, that I think it's, I think the important thing is to, you know, always be open to meeting new people and not feel like it's transactional, you know, every time. But I always look to ways of, of how can I help people, you know, without looking for anything in return. So if somebody says, you know, I'm looking, you know, for X, Y, and Z, like, is there a way that I could potentially help them? And if I can, great, I will, and I'll try that. And if I can't, then I'll tell them that I can't. But I think that if you're, if you do enough of that, then, you know, people are going to be more willing to make introductions for you in the long run or, you know, whatever it might be. But I just think it's, um, you know, sports is a really important part of that. It's a common thread with a lot of the relationships that I'm making. And, you know, that's what I love about PCA is that somebody has a story. Somebody either had a great coach, had a bad coach, is a parent now, whatever it might be. So it's an easy conversation to have. Right. But I think it, it also comes down to I really enjoy learning about people. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, when you're writing a story for a newspaper or, you know, doing a feature piece on the, you know, Syracuse game broadcast. It's, you know, what is that interesting piece? And I like connecting the dots of, okay, here's your background. Here's your experience. Can I help you get involved with PCA? And can you help us? And if not, is there somebody else I can connect you with? So... You've got the the facts, basically. I would say probably it's the you've got the facts to to back up the, that the work you're doing is important, relevant, yeah. successful, but you're not approaching it as a transaction in any way. It's much more of let's figure out what we can do together. Totally. If there's not something. There's not. If there yeah. is, that's great, and we'll go that we'll go from here to go figure it out. Yeah. Right? I mean, at every point, there's going to be that. You know, I it, it's funny people sometimes when I tell them I work for a nonprofit, they're like, "Oh, it's so great, you get to give back." And it's like, listen, we're a, nationally a twelve million dollar budget company, and I have my goals to hit. And at the end of the day, I need to do that. So it's we're running a small business here, and so yeah, at the end of the day, it's transactional, and and things need to you know. Come contracts need to get signed and, and gifts need to get made, but I think it's much bigger and than that. And, and that's why I don't think I could necessarily sell tickets or sell suites or, or those types of things, but this is uh, an experience that's really important to a lot of different people. Make, and it's that is that, oh, it does come back around to that, though, where you're saying somebody says, well, that's nice you're giving back, because at least at the end of the day, you really are. That, yes, there's some transaction to this in your role, but it's to then make sure you're maximizing these programs and yeah. touching as many lives as you can. So. I think that's the tricky thing when we're putting together some partnerships. It's, you know, who, who are we talking to at a big, you know, corporate partner? Is it their community affairs? Is it their social responsibility? 
availability? Is it their sports sponsorship? And it's probably different everywhere. I remember exactly. that earlier, right? And exactly. that's another reason why it can't be so transactional because somebody may be looking at it as a media buy almost and another person is looking at it as purely employee community engagement and the other stuff is a yeah. just a, a bonus. And if I'm trying to find if I'm trying to get in with a company, I'm looking for the person that's up high enough that is coaching their son's little league team or is a former college athlete and talking to them and letting them be the internal advocate for us then versus going to the community affairs and saying, hey, we're a nonprofit, you know, and they're like, all right, get in line behind all the other nonprofits line. that we are, are supporting or want support. It's a long line. What? And now you've got your... Uh, lovely wife and two, uh, well, you've got twin, about 19 months 18 old. months, yeah, boy-girl twins, yep. So do you have any time at all? Jason time? Do you have any of that? What do you do for fun? Um, it's interesting. Uh, nothing. I think nothing like, yeah, I it's, it's like, you know, just, to just, reading, just reading, reading <laughs> kids' books at night. And um, <laughs> No, but I think that the, the great part about it is... PCA, we try to capitalize on things that are going on in sports and stuff like that. So obviously, I'm a huge sports fan and staying up to date on everything that's going on. So watching sports is fun. You know, that, that's a good thing. I, you know, my wife and I, we, we try to find time to stay up to speed on, you know, the popular TV shows and stuff like that. So um, we do those types of things. But she is somebody we actually met at PCA. Um, she works for another nonprofit. So we have a lot of similar stories around fundraising, engaging board members, those types of things. So, um, you know. But you're not coming home and, oh, this has and, and taking frustrations out on each other. It's more, I sometimes see you. As, we are. Well, sometimes, sometimes yes, right, yeah. it's, it's possible. But it's, but it's usually positive. you're more positive. Right. You're taking the positive out of it. And, and that's the great part about PCA. It's it's being at PCA for now 11 years. Um, that positive, it, it's become just the, the type of person that I am. You know, Not to say I was this negative person before, but I think what we're teaching in our workshops and our content is going to carry over to, you know, your work experience, your personal experience, relationships that you have. So, you know, PCA is, is, is a part of my life every day, even if I wasn't necessarily working for them. Anything else? We covered it all for you? We good? We got it. Any yeah. more plugs we need to get in? No, I appreciate you having me on and have enjoyed listening to the, uh, the other podcasts. So. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I'm, I'm, I think we had a good chat today. I hope this stays right up at the top. I'm proud of, I'm proud of our work today as well. But uh, Jason, thank you very much for joining me today on the Painless Podcast. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat there with Jason Sachs. Great guy, working for a great organization, some good tips, and uh, enjoyed it. Hope you did as well. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe to The Painless Podcast and scroll on back through the feed. Check out some other episodes, including USA Today Sports Nancy Armour, TK Gore from CSM Chicago. I really enjoyed the chat with Chris Reuter, who's the CEO of Spikeball. That's been our most listened to podcast. Uh, and then uh, McDonald's Global Head of Partnerships, John Lewicki, plus so many other great guests already in the first 10 that we've done. If you have any feedback, any suggestions, please shoot them over to us at painlesspod at painless.network. Email us there, painlesspod at painless.network. Or you know, hook us up uh, on Twitter at Painless Network or on Facebook at Painless Networking and shoot any suggestions, feedback, whatever. We'd love to get it. One final reminder, don't forget to buy your ticket today for tomorrow's event, tomorrow, April 20th, that is. Find the ticket link very quickly at painless.network. All righty, I'll get out of your way. Until next time, this is Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends. Stay connected, friends.